welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. Emphasis on everything else this week. <laughs> and I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. <laughs> and our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops Te Swetmik territory within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmakulu. And today's text, 20s, is set in Los Angeles, which is the traditional home of the Chumash, Tongva, and Keech peoples. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not YA. This is very much an episode. <laughs> I wanted is... that apology at the top. <laughs> this is very much an episode in the discovery of witches tradition on the show, which mm-hmm. is we're too far into this when we realize it's not at all YA to possibly oh, yeah. reprogram the episode. So yeah. here we are. I kind I thought this it's called 20s. Mm-hmm. I only watched the trailer. I definitely thought it was NA. It's definitely just adults. Yeah. But I still really enjoyed it. So oh, I don't apologize absolutely. like that hard. <laughs> no. I was very happy to watch this. I initially told you offline I was going to try to watch at least four to five episodes. I totally watched all eight because I just really enjoyed the show. But yeah, about two episodes in when we get to see Marie's house, (laughs) I was immediately like, this isn't any early 20s nonsense. Come on, people. She owns an entire house. She is a movie executive. You don't get that in your early 20s. Even in your late 20s for most people. The main character is 24, and there is a 25th birthday party that happens during the series, but um, mm-hmm. n- none of these people are at the life stage of early 20s. Even the main character, Hattie, who's supposed to be kind of like messing everything up, like mm-hmm. if this was her early 30s, I wouldn't really blink that hard. I think she's pretty, she's doing pretty okay for 24, frankly. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So folks, we are discussing 20s. This is a TV show that aired in the US on the BET network and then is available on CBC Gem in Canada. This is definitely, Joe, I think part of CBC Gem's attempt to make Gem happen. Um, (laughs) Stop trying to make Gem happen. (laughs) I've noticed that CBC Gem has moved from being just sort of like a repository of CBC programs to Mm -hmm. um, really trying to find the best kind of weird, interesting, off-the-beaten-track TV and film from around the world. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing way more sort of interesting things appear, like things that, frankly, like, this show is too cool to be on CBC. Like, I would, oh, yeah. I would not align it with a CBC mandate. Um, But I think they're really trying to drive traffic towards Gem, and this is a good example. Right. Yeah, and for our international listeners, when we say CBC Gem, this is a streaming platform, but it's put out by our national broadcaster, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and they're very well known domestically and internationally for producing kind of high quality low stakes drama that appeals to like a very specific subset of people it's often not particularly controversial Mm. so folks this is the same platform that we got to watch trickster on but uh yeah something like this is very much a hey we're trying to be more diverse and inclusive and niche and also go after people who would never watch cbc Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's not that CBC doesn't sometimes have shows that maybe surprise. I think Mm -hmm. Schitt's Creek, for example, surprised people by how it hit. But yeah, it's much more likely to make, you know, shows about like 
Alberta ranch hands who fall in mm-hmm. love or like um, people who run a gas station in the prairies. Okay, that was actually CTV, but or, or like old I know. <laughs> or like old timey mysteries, you know, yes. those kinds of things. And it's been really interesting to see, you know, I actually watch CBC Gem uh, a fair amount because we don't have regular TV, but we stream CBC sure. for kid cartoons on Saturday mornings and right. for Coronation Street on Sunday mm-hmm. mornings because I'm 112 yep. years old. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but I have noticed that the advertising during Coronation Street has really shifted. Like I found out about 20s because they run ads during the Coronation Street streaming on Gem. Hey, are you a sexy influencer? <laughs> have we got a show for you? I just think it's interesting how CBC is really trying to target demographics but in really safe ways it costs them very little to acquire shows for streaming versus shows for broadcast right and so it's like we want to show you that we have these things available but we don't want to use prime broadcast time for it so Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know how i feel about it as a diversification effort but i'm certainly thrilled that we got the chance to watch this absolutely yeah so folks if you haven't watched 20s we are going to be spoiling the entirety of the first season i was actually worried because the further i got into the show the more i realized how much i liked the characters but it was clearly nowhere near wrapping up so i was delighted to discover that the show has been renewed for a second season it got renewed during the pandemic so i don't know how much time they've been able to actually resume filming so i don't know Mm -hmm. if we'll get more of the show anytime this year i would say probably 2022 we'll see a second season yeah i think you're right you just got evicted and you trying to go sit on the grass and watch a movie yeah let me help you get a job i don't want some stressful nine to five that's gonna take me away from my writing I do need a writer's PA. I'll take it. Finally got a job. Oh, she is very stylish. Or he. Or maybe that's the day. Unclear. You need to be the best writer's PA they've ever had. Is that a plantation? Yes, it is. Massa just happens to be a crazy black woman. Don't mess up the coffee orders. Only speak when spoken to. I'm so ready to go home. Excuse me? I ain't saying that. I'm sick of running errands all day. So you a writer on the show? Nah, I'm a writer's PA. I took this job so I could learn how to be a writer. What's your job description again? To make your life easier. You're not doing that right now. What if we made sure our ideas were heard? What if we took up space? I'm down. trying to get fired. Okay, so the premise of the show... It follows Hattie, she's the protagonist, and her best friends. So um, Hattie is queer, and she's an aspiring screenwriter, but she's sort of, well, we, we never see her she's writing. She's a mess. <laughs> I love her. She's a mess. Yeah, she's great and amazing and funny. But yeah, she wants to be a comedy writer. But as her best friend Marie points out, like at least once an episode, literally never write anything. Mm-hmm. Marie is a television studio executive and Nia is a yoga teacher who is just realizing that she wants to go back into acting. She had been a child actress. Mm-hmm. And the three of them are extremely close. When yes. Hattie loses her apartment, she immediately moves in with Marie and Marie's husband. Well, fiance. Well, boyfriend I know. at the beginning. I, sp- <laughs> I spent the entire series being like, they must be married because they've got all those accumulated wealth. And then he proposes to her in the last episode. And I thought, wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had the exact same reaction. Um, And yeah, so Marie and Nia are straight. Hattie is queer. Yes. So the show was created by Lena Waite, and it's based Mm. on her own experiences. But she basically proposed this as the story 
modeling her own experiences moving to LA and getting into show business, but she said she wanted to have the show centered around a masculine presenting stud. Mm -hmm. And I do have thoughts about how that ends up playing into the show. Okay, yeah, cool. I want to talk about that for sure. So yeah, Hattie gets a job because Marie finds it for her, basically, mm-hmm. um, as the assistant of Ida B, who is a very powerful black woman in Hollywood, but who feels yeah. like her creative vision is being compromised. Um, yeah. Or at least she, she Hattie makes sure she way. knows. <laughs> like Ooh, Hattie's boy. real good about making sure that Ida B knows that her creative vision has been compromised. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a smattering of boyfriends. Um, Marie has this fiance. Nia falls in love with this guy who doesn't own a phone. I find him annoying, to be perfectly honest. I find all of Nia's story. I love the actress. And mm-hmm. sorry, we'll just quickly note. Okay, so Hattie is played by uh, Janika T. Gibbs. Marie is played by Christina Elmore. Nia is played by Gabrielle Graham. And then Ida B is played by Sophina Brown. And We should note that Gabrielle Graham is Canadian, by the way. Oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. I really like the actress, and I could not care about any of Nia's storylines. I really enjoyed uh, when she goes to the improv class and the drama with the white guy in her class. I really yeah. liked that, and I like, but that was really when I kind of connected with the character, and, and mm-hmm. because you start to see her um, assert herself in a way that you don't right. see in any other scene. So I started to have, she had stakes for me at that point, but it definitely took too long. Yeah, because it feels like it's supposed to be a show about these three women, but really we're only emotionally invested in the first two for more than half of this first season. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, and their friend. We should note that there is, a, I guess, a cameo. Vanessa Williams plays Chuck's mother, so that's mm-hmm. Marie's mother-in-law-to-be. Um, I thought it was cool to see her on the screen. She doesn't show up until the end of the season, the last episode, but I liked seeing her. It was nice to see a cameo. Well, yes, and her husband is played by Rick Fox, who uh, people would know, you would not know, but other people would know. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of reasonable cameos. Um, you know, Seth Green appears as an improv oh, yeah. coach. He's actually quite funny. I don't think I found him this funny in a long time. If he's allowed to be the wacky friend or the kind of like scene stealer for just a couple of moments you'll get more of this kind of thing from him if he's a Mm -hmm. proper actor like if he is a character on the show or movie then usually you get less of this Mm, okay that makes sense and then for me i was also very taken with parker young as marie's boss because i've loved him in a bunch of different tv shows and i think the way that he and then madeline barn who plays lauren which is hattie's kind of co-confidant at ida b's place I do really enjoy the way the show uses its white characters as well-meaning but idiot allies. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lauren, especially. She's so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's really quite charming in her own way. I think it helps that um, they are both good-hearted. And yes. the show doesn't pull any punches about no. their failings, but it also mm-hmm. doesn't make them the villains of the series. I mean, if anything, yes. the villain of the series is... Oh, I don't remember his name. Ben. Oh, ben. Yes. Ben, who is played by Alex Akpabom. Yeah, so Marie has this colleague at work. They're both executives, and they're both up for promotion. And he really spends all his time trying to ingratiate himself with the white executives, whereas mm-hmm. she is she feels really passionate about finding black projects to drive through this studio. And 
he ends up getting the promotion. Now, yes. he, he claims that he that was all just an act and we're going to see the real him. In, mm-hmm. so I guess we'll find out in season two if that's true or not. But he really is the sort of villain of season one, if there even is one. Yeah, it, it's a tricky balance because we're so closely aligned with these three women. Anybody who crosses them does take on a villainous flair. Like Hattie has a, a nemesis at the office because oh, yeah. the woman doesn't like her because Hattie... Courtney. Yeah, Courtney, because Hattie (laughs) got the job that Courtney wanted. But even then, it's only because we're focalized through the three women that these people come off in a negative light. Mm -hmm. And I like that the show doesn't, you're right, it doesn't pull punches, but it also doesn't take a very easy route. Like, even though a lot of what we see is fairly predictable in terms of narrative developments, like you kind of know where all of these storylines are headed. I found that the show was clever enough that I didn't mind when it delivered on what I was expecting. But -hmm. also it didn't just say like, oh, yeah, white people are villains or, oh, this other guy is a villain. It's like Mm -hmm. "Mm, there's a bit more to all of these people than we first expect. So speaking of which, why don't we start with what you've already alluded to, which is Hattie is definitely, uh, well, Lena Waithe calls her a masculine presenting stud. Mm hmm who is really kind of framed by the experiences of her straight friends. Everything that she's experiencing is kind of in the opposite, but we definitely have, we have scenes where she gets misgendered. Yeah. We have scenes where she's sort of exploring and explaining her understanding of butchness and queerness. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I wanted to hear your thoughts since you alluded to it off the top. Yeah. I actually thought it was really compelling and I didn't, realize until the show how infrequently we see this kind of character typically Mm -hmm. in depictions of lesbians in popular culture they fall either into the femme or the butch but even the butch it's like they're typically coded as uh bigger women who don't have a sense of fashion uh they often look far more masculine whereas i find hattie you know she's she's skinny she's androgynous But she also is very clear about what she does and doesn't find attractive. And there's a really interesting discussion in the final episode where she sits down with the girl that uh, she has been sort of flirting with at the coffee shop, Adina, and they have a really frank conversation about how you shouldn't make assumptions just because of the way that people look and act Mm -hmm. about what they're like when they let their hair down or behind closed doors. And I find it so frank and refreshing. And it's also great because we're getting Hattie being called out for her BS, which is Mm -hmm. really who the character is throughout the entire series. She's so confident, but she's also kind of deluded and clueless. And (laughs) I think the character could be very challenging for people who don't like messy. Mm. But I found Hattie really refreshing, really honest, really compelling. And yeah, specifically around a queer character of this kind, really hadn't seen it before. Yeah, and I really liked the way the show, it's very interested in her experiences of the world, her experiences Mm -hmm. of dating. There's a lot of sex in the series and a lot of really um, sort of like clear depictions of lesbian sex. It's not like a cutaway. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that that's also kind of refreshing, like particularly in a conversation about black female sexuality. And another really interesting and frank and troublesome, but in a good way, I think, conversation is between the three girls discussing bisexuality Mm -hmm. as a thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. these three women are sitting around the table and one of the 
plot arcs that emerges over the course of the series is Marie starts to wonder if Chuck is gay or bisexual. He's yeah. very interested in watching porn that would suggest that maybe he is. She sees him getting the number of a waiter, which he brushes off, but mm -hmm. he just says, well, I flirt with everybody, and she's yeah. starting to feel quite insecure in their relationship, but she also has this line that she says she doesn't believe in bisexuality, and yeah. Nia calls her out, and Nia's like, you don't need to believe in it. <laughs> it just is. And, yeah. then, and then Hattie calls her out. Yeah, I would never <laughs> date a bisexual man. It's because there are specifically issues around black male sexuality mm -hmm. within the black community. Like down low is still a thing. Expectations around masculinity and performativity around black men is very much an issue. And I appreciated that it's delivered as humor, but there's a moment where Chuck buys Marie a bunch of self-help books written by black authors. And he says, oh, actually, I bought this one book for myself. And it's about generational trauma embedded in DNA about men who have to martyr themselves and therefore can't love black women. And it, it's funny because it's kind of ridiculous, but also it does get to some of the heart of mm. performativity within specifically the black community around sexuality. Yeah, I really appreciated the show's willingness to have what I think are pretty complicated conversations. You know, it's a mm -hmm. it's a 20 minute comedy, right? Like yes. And it is a comedy. It's not often a drama. No, it's it is laugh out loud funny. At times it in indulges itself in in slapstick it indulges mm -hmm. itself in all kinds of you know tropes there's an entire episode where hattie basically runs around town trying to fulfill the needs of her boss like mm -hmm. it hits a lot of typical workplace comedy beats it hits yes. a lot of typical friendship beats fr friendship comedy beats but it's willingness to also turn around and be like oh actually we're gonna have a frank conversation about something mm -hmm. effed up that maria and nia believe about bisexuality and like yeah it's going to work, which is the thing that's yeah. really neat. Well, I think particularly because the show does the work with this central friendship mm -hmm. between the three women. Like, there's a lot of peripheral kind of nonsense broad comedy that comes out of their individual storylines. But whenever you get a scene between the three women or their kind of more candid conversations about each other, there's such an authenticity to the way they react to each other as friends who have known each other not afraid to call each other out, not afraid to get very real. Like the way mm -hmm. that Marie speaks to Hattie about her life choices, about her career opportunities, she would say constructive criticism. <laughs> A lot of other people would say naggy. But, yeah. you know, I, I relate hard to the Marie character, like mm -hmm. the way she approaches relationship and how she's freely giving out advice, even though there are huge issues in her own relationship that she's not willing to address that she's projecting the way that she asserts an authority and almost like a privilege because she has a better life position than Hattie and she almost lords that over her friend. Mm -hmm. There's some really complicated relationships on this show, but you're right. 22 minutes comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, by the way, about Marie. I think there's a role that you fall into depending on your friend group, if you're the one with the grown-up job mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and the one with the grown-up life circumstances and that it's, yeah, like Marie is kind of the mom, but mm -hmm. 
but she does not have her life figured out, which is what I like no. because like even Nia has an image of Marie and Chuck on her vision board as an ideal yes. romance because, you know, her storyline is that she's saving herself for marriage or she is currently engaging in abstinence until she mm-hmm. meets the person she wants to be with. And it's fantastic because she has this perspective of her friend's romance that is not at all conducive with real life. Because when Mm -hmm. we see Marie's relationship with Chuck, it is flawed, it is messy, they're doing the work to try to make it work. But Nia sees none of that. And as a result, she can idolize them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. And as a result, Marie doesn't actually have anybody she confides in. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting because Hattie just dumps everything on Marie and Nia. She does. It's so true. (laughs) And Nia feels comfortable opening up to Marie, certainly, and also to Hattie. As the series progresses, we see their friendship become closer. Mm -hmm. But Marie doesn't have that, and she doesn't have it in her romantic relationship either. And I feel like we're leading up to a giant Marie explosion in season two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She is repressing hardcore, and that is going to have to come out somewhere. Well, and and I think that's why so many of her storylines involve flirty chemistry with virtually every male that she encounters so i can't believe how much chemistry she has not just with chuck her partner but then also with ben her co-worker i kept waiting Mm -hmm. for them to have an affair and then the end of the season hints that (gasps) she's gonna hook up with her boss sack who's played by parker young and Mm -hmm. i just thought is it something about this actress or is it something about the character or maybe both but like i was waiting for her to go to bed with everyone yeah yeah same same well and part of it is you kind of want it for her right absolutely especially when uh, oh and the don't forget the other person she has great chemistry with is the actor who she's pursuing or the oh yes 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 quintrell yes yeah one of the things you really want for her is when when she's given that birthday gift by her boss it's like this sort Mm -hmm. of moment of her being sort of seen and understood right which is you know as a viewer i found myself being like Well, actually, that's kind of unfair to Chuck because he really tries to be that guy too. But Mm -hmm. with Chuck, there's always this element of performance. Oh my God, Chuck singing Happy Birthday twice in the series. Oh boy, yeah. Oh, he's that guy. And every Mm -hmm. friend group in your 20s has that person. Yes. (laughs) He's definitely that guy and I don't Mm -hmm. love it. (laughs) No. I, I will say one of the things that I really came to appreciate about this series as it progressed was even though these are very specific and very unique characters and kind of lifestyles like it's very firmly embedded in LA culture everyone's on their phones which is why we have a storyline about somebody not having a phone and how weird it is Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very embedded in entertainment and showbiz but there's a universality to this where we are not black I'm not a woman you don't work in show business and yet I don't know about you, but I had no difficulty connecting or engaging no. with any of these storylines. Totally. I I really, I mean, I wanted to watch this series. I've seen the ads a bunch of times. It looks really compelling, but I mm-hmm. was surprised by how easily I consumed this whole season and how much I related to all of the characters mm-hmm. who are all obviously at really different life stages than me. And yeah, no, I just think, I also think it's really well directed. Like it has a really good balance of comedy and Mm -hmm. a heart and i think it plays those beats really effectively like there weren't many moments where i was like oh this is like let's move on to the next thing so yeah yeah i just think in general it's a really solid little series and Mm -hmm. if you haven't checked it out you really should 
Yeah, uh, this won't mean anything to you, Brenna, but I will say if folks have seen and enjoyed Issa Rae's show on HBO, which is called Insecure, it's also about a kind of not quite trio, but like a group of friends aspiring career-hungry Black women, I would say this is a good companion piece. It's distinct enough to feel different, but if you like the kind of mix of comedy and drama and broad stuff mixed with really heavy, emotional, character-driven beats, I would say that they're very complimentary series. Cool, I might check it out. (laughs) I'm sure you will. (laughs) (laughs) I might, I could. Occasionally watch TV. Occasionally. Sure, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, maybe to wrap up, I'm interested, where do you think this series is going to go in season two? I think that Marie and her boss are going to hook up. Okay. And I don't think it's going to be a serious thing, but I think they're going to hook up and it's going to force her to reckon with her relationship with Chuck. Right. Yeah, because she, (laughs) I love how trepidatious she looked when he proposed. Like, normally you would expect a yes immediately, and she looks like... Do I want this? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I'm not sure either. Mm -hmm. I do think that Hattie and the girl from the coffee shop are going to hook up in season two. And I think that's going to force Hattie to maybe make some decisions. So Hattie pretty much exclusively attaches herself to women who are unavailable or who are trouble. So the last scene of the last episode is her kissing her boss, for example. That lady is trouble. Although I will say I love that that opening scene of the final episode where you think it is Hattie's romantic dream about kissing Ida B is actually Ida B waking up and realizing yes. she maybe has feelings for her underling. A lot yes. of uncomfortable power relationship dynamics yes. in there. I mean, which is what you would expect from a Hollywood situation, but particularly the way that Ida B uses her employees. Mm-hmm. I'm deeply concerned about what happens here. Yes, and I kind of have this sense that um, a relationship with the girl from the coffee shop, whose name I just cannot remember. I think it's Adina. I think you're right. Um, But I think that that's going to be, that's going to help her to draw herself out because the other relationship that is always in the back of Hattie's mind is this woman who like dates her out of convenience, basically, but is really quite cruel to her. Yeah, Lorraine. Lorraine, yeah, even though she's clearly much more deeply or feels much more deeply for Lorraine than she lets on. Yes. So I think that that's going to happen. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with Nia. I hope, uh, what's his face? Uh, Big Sean doesn't stick around because <laughs> I don't find that storyline compelling. But no. I do want to see what happens to her acting career. Mm-hmm. I'm eager for the ways in which she is turning that acting class on its head. And I want more of those scenes. Yeah, I think when they discover that she's a more compelling character when she's pursuing her acting, as opposed to being a virginal yoga teacher, Mm -hmm. that was when the character really clicked for me. So Mm -hmm. I do hope that they explore that. Although I will say, I think, again, when we're thinking about the show's interest in sex and sexuality, having a character frankly discuss their willingness to wait or be abstinent, I do appreciate seeing that on television because mm-hmm. I think that there is a space and a need for it. No, I agree completely. And I think that, yeah, I think that in general, Nia's character could be a lot more interesting if they gave her more to do because we see yeah. that at the end. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I hope for. Anything I anything I haven't hit on that you think is going to happen? 
Uh, I am interested to see where the Quintrell stuff with Marie and her work will go, if only Mm -hmm. because, again, as you hinted at, there is a romantic connection there. I'd be interested to see if we're going to pursue some of the more diverse projects and how that interferes or complements with her competitor, Ben, who got the Mm -hmm. promotion and seems to be more amenable to delivering very boring, white-friendly projects. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to see Ben's claims that he's made to Nia about being interested in more complicated content. I'm hoping to see mm-hmm. that get challenged and him yeah. have to make some big decisions because so far he's got off really easy. Yeah, there's a lot of room to now grow and deepen these characters because we know who they are and what they want. So I actually think season two could be even a big step up from season one, Mm -hmm. if only because they now have the foundation so they can really start to go deep on these characters. Totally. Now, this is not YA, so I don't think there's any point in doing a YA bingo. Absolutely not. Although (laughs) these characters are so messy at times that I did feel like, oh, okay, this is very late teens, early 20s. But no, yeah, I'm not going to do YA bingo with this. No, sorry. So instead, we'll talk about where we're going next week, which is straight to book club. Yes. So if you haven't been in touch yet, you've got just a little bit more time to sneak us in some thoughts about Please Ignore Vera Dietz by A.S. King. Mm -hmm. I have started reading it. And honestly, I am dying at how funny it is. But this is dark. It's yes. I promised you. (laughs) I really I I think A.S. King is something really special. Someone really special. And her writing is really unique. So I'm eager to get dig into it with you. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to read a book that we've talked about before, but we haven't really dug into. It's like an Indigenous Hardy Boys series, right, Joe? Yes, I'm so excited for this. So this is The Case of Windy Lake by Michael Hutchinson. And yeah, as we said, uh, basically Indigenous Hardy Boys. It's going to be a super quick read, but uh, Canadian, if I'm not mistaken, right, Brenna? Yeah, I believe so. I think the CBC did a story on this a while ago. And back when we used to do news updates, I think it was we talked about it on the show. So I'm eager to dig into it and see what's up. So a couple of really interesting reads for your summer, neither of which will tax you or try you too hard. So Mm -hmm. I think you should pick up both of them. And uh, yeah. So if you want to talk to us about either of those, remember your book club thoughts need to come in ASAP. You can find us at HKHSPod or hashtag HKHSPod on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. Joe, where do they find you? I can be reached at Beast on my remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And if you have anything longer, you can always email us HKHSPod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And Brennan, before we go, I have one final piece of exciting news, just because Ooh. I was scheduling episodes and I saw our download numbers. I just wanted to give a quick shout out because we just cracked 70,000 downloads on the Yay! podcast. Aww. It's a minuscule number compared to what larger pods do. But considering that we have never been a large podcast, <laughs> I guess I just wanted to give our loyal listeners a quick shout out. This is a labor of love for Brenna and I, and it's been a joy to do. We love hearing from you folks. And honestly, the number is huge for what we do. So yeah, just really absolutely. thank you. There's two people talking about books and movies, Joe. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. We've like never 
advertised or like nah. we always forget to tell people to rate and review they could do that <laughs> if they wanted though yeah. <laughs> i mean we are coming up on a milestone episode in uh, just a little while so you know if folks want to tell us what the podcast means to you we have heard oh. from a few folks over the years but uh, we'd love to hear a little bit more because yeah we are coming up on episode 150 Brenda. that's wild that's wild mm-hmm. all right joe well that is cool. And I oh, love no. doing this show with you. And I can't believe 70,000 downloads. That's just, I'm sort of baffled. That's awesome. I know. It's like gobsmacked. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, folks. Uh, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.